Good evening, Pastor White, Grace Baptist Church. My name is Fred Rojas, and I'm a missionary to the U.S. military worldwide. Thank you so much for allowing me to come into your homes and also in your church virtually and allowing me to preach the Word of God to you this evening. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter number 15, beginning with verse 14. Again, Romans chapter 15, beginning with verse 14, reads, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God. Verse 16 that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, I am therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Verse 20, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. So if you look at verses 20 and 21, these are verses specifically what missions is about. It's God moving a man to a foreign land and presenting the gospel to those people who have never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what missions is. But today, I'm going to preach a message that I pray that will touch your heart and will, will give you a, a boost to, to know more and to learn more and to serve more the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to open your word and to preach your message, God, to Grace Baptist Church. Thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity you've given me this evening. And I pray, Father God, that you will please hide me behind the cross, Lord, that I might preach your word with, with liberty Father, I pray, God, that you would bless, especially do a blessing, Father, to someone who is not saved, Father, that they might come to know Christ this evening. Father, I ask and pray now that you'd be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. We as independent Baptists and those of like faith believe that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. We call it the Trinity. Even the word Trinity is not in the Bible it's a triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. You cannot separate them. In Genesis chapter number one, all three of them were there in creation. In Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over all cattle, and over all the earth, 
and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So here we have God the Father and God the Son in creation. And in verse 2 it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. All three of them were there during creation. What else? They were there together also during Jesus' baptism. In Matthew chapter number 3, it says in verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So here we have Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit, and then God shows up in verse number 17, where it says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So not only in creation, not only in Jesus' baptism, but also in the Great Commission. In the Great Commission, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So it says here, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, they are together, once again, all three of them cannot be, uh, cannot be divided. They work together. And then in John chapter 14, this is the promise that Jesus gave his disciples. It says in John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And also in John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then all-inclusive, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. The Word here is the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But today we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm afraid that, that we do not credit the Holy Spirit in some way. Let me give you an example. When you lead someone to Christ, do you just save that person after he re receives Christ as personal Savior, go and, and sin no more? No, we need to make sure that that convert, that new convert, has and known that the Holy Spirit is in him. In other words, once a person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. In fact, it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes in our life, in our heart, and it seals us, meaning to say we can never lose our salvation. Never lose our salvation. So we need to ingrain that into the new convert's heart that the Holy Spirit lives in him. The Holy Spirit lives in him so that he will know, the convert that is, how to live right, how to live godly. Because in this present world, we cannot live the way God wants us to live without the Holy Spirit. And I see here, in the passage that I read, there are two things that I see what the Holy Spirit does to a believer. If you're taking notes, 
the very first thing we, we can see here in Romans chapter 15, verse 16, that the Holy Spirit sets us apart to do the will of God. In Romans chapter 15, verse 16, we are sanctified by the Holy Ghost. We are sanctified. What does sanctified mean? Sanctified means to set us apart. To set us apart. In Romans chapter 1, Paul here is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In verse 1 of Romans chapter 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So here we see Paul. His name before was Saul. While his name was Saul, he wrecked havoc for the, with the church. But when he became Paul, he became separated or set apart to the gospel, just like it says here. And all of us, all of you sitting down, all of you that are saved, you are sanctified. You are set apart to know and to do and to, and to share the gospel. But here in Romans chapter 15, verse 16, it tells us that the Holy Ghost sanctifies us. The Holy Ghost sanctifies us. Look at verse number 16. It says here that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Sanctified. Sanctified means to be set apart. And there are three things that I see here in, in Scripture that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us or sets us apart to do His will. Number one, Number one, in Romans chapter two, 12, verse number two, he sets us apart to know the will of God. Let's all turn there. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, beginning with verse one. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Look at verse number two. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here we see that there is a will of God. God has something for us, our purpose in life. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that he sets us apart to know the will of God. Did you know that a lost person cannot know the will of God? Because a lost person doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him. In Romans chapter number 8, Romans chapter number 8, it says in verse number 9, it says here in Romans chapter 8, verse number 9, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if, the, if, the, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If the Holy Spirit does not indwell you, you do not belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't belong to God. The only way that a person can have the Holy Spirit in him is by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as his or her personal Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he sets us apart to know the will of God. And also, a lost person doesn't want to know the will of God. In Romans chapter number 3, Romans chapter number 3, it tells us, in verse number 11, it says, There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. The lost person does not even want to have God 
in his mind. The lost person doesn't, doesn't even want to know God. And if you don't know God, the Holy Spirit is not in you. So Romans chapter number 12, verse 2, he sets us apart to know the will of God. And in November 2016, uh, let me back up here. I was saved in February of 1979 and started serving the Lord, reading my Bible. But all through the years, all through the years, I was, I was learning, I was growing. But in November, November 2016, God called me in a revival. He called me in a revival to go into ministry. So after, after I got that call from the Lord, I started asking God, God, you called me into the ministry. Do you want me to be a pastor? Do you want me to be a missionary? Do you want me to be an evangelist? I started praying and asking God, what does he want me to do in ministry? It was not until August of 2017, during a missions conference, missionaries, preached on Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10, where it says, Romans chapter 10, verse number 10, I mean chapter 10, it says here in verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So I've been hearing messages on this portion of scripture for a very long time. But God specifically used that evening, August 2017, to speak to my heart. And he called me, not only in the ministry, but also specifically to preach the word of God. So now that Lord called me to preach the word of God, how does he want me to preach the word of God? To become a pastor, to become a missionary or an evangelist? It was not until September of 2018. September 2018, during a BIMI Southeast Asia Conference. It was also our 50th anniversary at Maranatha Baptist Church in Okinawa, Japan, where we're, where we're going back to. God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to go into military missions. So he called me to the ministry November 16. He called me to preach August of 2017. And in September 2018, God called me into military missions. It is wonderful to know. It is wonderful to see God's will in a person's life and in my life he called me to be a missionary and I praise God for that so he calls us he sanctifies us he sets us apart to know the will of God that's what the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit does secondly he also sets us apart to be different to be different let's all turn to John chapter 17 John chapter number 17 John chapter 17 beginning with verse number 15. John 17, beginning with verse number 15. It says here, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In other words, when a person becomes saved, becomes a child of God, we are no longer to say that this world, this earth, is our home. Just like that song says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. But while we're here on earth, as God's people, and having the Holy Spirit in us, we need to be different, especially in our day and age at this time. People need to see that, that there is hope. People need to see that, that the love of Christ is in us. 
You may, let me give you an example. If you're in church and someone comes in your door, your church door, and he's not dressed appropriately like you would like him to be, what do you do? Would you say, please sit here in the back or not go to him at all? No. As God's people, as the church of God, we need to go to that person by the door and invite them in, welcome them. Why? Because just think, if that person comes into church, here's the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gets saved that same day he comes as a visitor. That would be remarkable. That would be wonderful. So we need to be different. People need to see that we don't have any gloom or doom and say, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. It's going to end soon. No. We need to have the joy of the Lord in our heart. We need to have rejoicing all the time. People need to see that we are different. And with the Holy Spirit in us, in us, we can be different. We can be different. I'm afraid the reason why people are not coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is because they're seeing Christians not having hope. They're seeing Christians in the doom and gloom. We need to have the joy of the Lord in our heart, in our lives, so that people can be drawn to the Savior because of our testimony. Because of our testimony. We need to be different so that those who are lost can see that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord Jesus Christ has made a difference in our life. In John chapter 15, verse 19. John chapter 15, in, in verse 19, it says, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. That's right. It's happening today. Christians are being ridiculed. Christians are being killed. Christians are being bullied. But you know what? They did, they did worst to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What did they do? They put him on a cross. They nailed him on a cross. But before that, they punched him. They battered him. They put a crown of thorns on his brow. They punched him. It, it, was, it was terrible. And the reason why Christ did that, because he loves us. He loves that sinner. He loves everyone. He loves his creation. Therefore, we need to be different so that people will have, the, will, will have desire to have the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart and in their mind. So number one, he sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Number one, to know the will of God. He sets us apart also to be different. And then thirdly, he sets us apart to be holy. He sets us apart to be holy. It says in 1 Peter, verse number one, in, in, verse, in verse 16, it says, Be holy, for I am holy. Just think. Be holy, for I am holy. God is saying that you can be holy because he told us that we can be holy. Be holy, for I am holy. He wouldn't say that if we couldn't be holy. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, it says, For I, the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify, there's that word again, set apart, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. What does the word holy mean? Holy means to be sacred, to be pure, to be fully used of God. God cannot use a dirty vessel. You need to be holy in every 
part of your life. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, in Colossians chapter number 3, it tells us some things here that we should not have in our life anymore if we are children of God. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, shall, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Verse number five, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse number six, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. So here are some things that we need to have no longer in our life. In verse number eight, it says here, but now ye also put off all these anger, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. What comes out of our mouth? should be sweet, should be wonderful to hear, not, not profane or, or bad words. Verse number nine, lie not one to another. We should not tell false things or we should not lie to our brethren. In other words, we shouldn't lie to anybody. So lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So when you got saved, your old man was put away and God gave you a new nature. A new nature, and that is, should be a holy nature. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. For example, if I had this jacket, and this jacket was full of, full of dirt, full of grime, and it was full of sin, I would take it off. And once I receive Christ as my Savior, He gives me a brand new one and he, and he makes me white as snow in His sight. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When you become a Christian, it is a wonderful thing because God can now look at you through the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we need to do is take, put things out of our, out of our life. And I, I said that just a while ago. Anger. What is anger? Vengeance. Indignation. Wrath. Passionate fierceness. What is malice? Evil wickedness. Blasphemy. Evil speaking. Filthy communication. Vile, morally wicked words out of our mouth. That should no longer be part of our life. Tell the truth to everyone. Lie not one to another. And then... It tells us in verses 10 through 14 what we should put on as God's people. In, in verse number 10 of the same chapter, chapter number 3 of Colossians, in verse number 10, it says, and, put, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy, there's that word again, be holy for I'm holy, and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, 
humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So let's put off the old man and let Jesus, let the Holy Spirit just take control of our life. <clears throat> in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, let's all turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 19 and 20. It says, What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What is that saying? It's saying that we are no longer our own. We don't own ourselves. Because Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross of Calvary to, have, to allow us to have his Holy Spirit in us. We are no longer our own. In other words, our life should be for him. Everything that we do should be for him. So number one, he sanctifies us by the Holy Ghost. And how, is he, how does he sanctify us? Number one, he, set, he sets us apart to know the will of God. And secondly, he, knows, he, set, he sets us apart to be different. And then he also sets us apart to be holy. To be holy. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us or sets us apart for God. Secondly... Secondly, he, he ministers or we minister the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. In other words, our life should be governed and, and should be uh, strengthened by the Holy Spirit. We cannot serve God without the Spirit. Serving God is a holy work and we need the Holy Spirit's power to perform the work that God has called us to do in Romans chapter 15 verse 19 Romans chapter 15 verse 19 again it says here through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and roundabout unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ so here it says the power of the Spirit of God the power of the Spirit of God we cannot do anything we can't do we can't serve the Lord without the Holy Spirit. Your pastor cannot do anything without the Holy Spirit. I cannot do anything. I can't be a missionary without the Spirit of God. The evangelist out there, in fact, even the Sunday school teacher, those of you who go on visitation, you cannot, you cannot do the work of God without the Spirit of God. So this power of the Holy Spirit needs to be in us. And the only way that we can have the Holy Spirit in us by being children of the Almighty, by accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 19, correction, verse number, wrote Acts chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 8. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8, it says, but ye shall receive power. Here's that word again, receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the Holy Spirit's power is the one that gives us the ability to serve Christ, to serve Christ here in our Jerusalem, 
to serve Christ in all Judea, in Samaria, the United States, all, all over, uttermost parts of the earth, we need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will never, ever leave you. In John chapter 14, verse 16, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. The comforter is the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. Forever. The Holy Spirit will be with us forever. And also, when you go witnessing, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. The Holy Spirit will teach us what to say. So number one, or letter A, he sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. How does he do that? Number one, he sets us apart to know the will of God. Secondly, he sets us apart, he sets apart to be different. And then thirdly, he sets us apart to be holy. And as he sets us apart to do all these things, the Holy Spirit will indwell us and empower us to do the will of God. So how does the Holy Spirit work in missions? Number one, the Holy Spirit is the one that sends out the people into ministry. In Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13, beginning with verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereof I have called them, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. It's the Holy Spirit that gives peace to the church, to the pastor, and it, it, it allows the church to send out missionaries into the world to preach the gospel to every creature, which is a commandment from the Lord. And then secondly, I mentioned already that it's the power of God, like it says in Acts chapter number 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. The Holy Spirit can come upon you only if you open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. And I pray that those of you who are sitting, those of you who are listening to me right now, that you are saved and that you are assured of your salvation. And if you don't know this, you need to know now that you can do the will of God. Why? because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So none of us has an excuse not to serve God. Pastor White, thank you so much for allowing me to, to preach this message. Thank you, Grace Baptist Church, and God bless all of you. Goodbye.